Welcome to Healthcare's Missing Link, a weekly podcast to help you uncover hidden things that steal your health. Thanks for joining us today. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Sherwood. Today, it gives me great pleasure and honor to welcome one of my good friends, 14-year Major League Baseball veteran, Jack Howell, to the program. Jack, man, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Uh, Really appreciate the uh, offer to be here and just uh, looking forward to uh, not only this podcast, but the continued health that that you have been giving me, and I really appreciate everything you do for me. Man, let's kick it off. I mean, you played in the big leagues 14 years, and I think you played in Japan a couple years too, right? Yeah, four years. Wow, so that's 19 years of professional baseball. That's about 10 years older than I am, I think, sir. I don't know. <laughs> then you so, feel. <laughs> man, you know, in, in all those years, I'm sure you had a lot of highlights and probably lowlights, but if you could just take a moment for – you know, our viewers, listeners, just what are the top maybe two or three highlights that you you experienced during those times? Well, definitely getting a chance just to spend one day in the big leagues. Uh, I think I saw somewhere where, you know, 2% of all the thousands of people that play, uh, whether out of high school or college, even get the opportunity. And then that's probably a little larger percentage than than that. But then of the ones that do get a chance to sign a pro contract, it's only about two or 3% of those actually make it. And then there's probably a whole nother percentage of being able to, you know, the goal is to get 10 years in the big league. So um, to answer your question is just the fact that I got that opportunity was, was one highlight definitely. Uh, And then to get called to the big leagues uh, is another. And then to think back like you did, um, that not only 10 years, but 12 or 13, four also in Japan makes 17, um, is just, boy, you look back and you're just so many things to be thankful for. So just the opportunity to be a big league ball player, um, you know, I, as I look back, uh, has been just, I've been so blessed. Um, and then, you know, thinking about that highlight career, you know, probably for those that don't know that much about me, uh, quote unquote, my claim to fame was, Vin Scully on the game of the week in about 85, I hit a, or 86, I hit a broken bat home run in Yankee Stadium. And, and as they're replaying that, and it's been on the top 20 home runs in the past before, and you hear Vin Scully, who's, you know, the Hall of Fame announcer, um, say that, you know, I think that's the first broken bat home run I've ever seen. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of been my legacy or the thing that, uh, the piece of history that I kind of left behind. Um, and then now, uh, you know, getting into the history, you talked about 19 years of player. This would be my 19th season now uh, being in player development in the pros. So um, now the highlights are being able to give back to players, uh, try to encourage them um, and get them mentally tough to, to try to get to the big leagues and just be there as a mentor for them. That's been a, a wonderful experience as well. I want to make sure and have that clip down below in this feed because you can find it certainly with a Google search, but we're going to make sure to have that for you. It is a classic Ben Scully call that like is so unforgettable. And that's really cool. Now we actually met when we were in Japan um, doing some work for a, a company and we just kind of hit it off. I mean, you've always been a, a, a super humble guy despite all of that. How do you maintain your humility and your, uh, your gratitude? Well, I think I was brought up with uh, my grandfather was a Baptist preacher. My dad 
was a star basketball player here in Tucson at the University of Arizona and obviously came from a great family. My mom is deep in her faith. So from the time I was born, I was raised with wonderful, wonderful parents that definitely raised me right. I have to give them the credit. Uh, but then got into, you know, a baseball industry that, you know, we're, we're traveling around where uh, everybody wants a piece of us. And, and, you know, it can be a different type of lifestyle. And I think because of that up, upbringing, um, I was able to, you know, thanks for the compliment, but, you know, remain humble and understand my roots and where I came from. Um, so, and then, you know, you hit on the main thing is you and I hit it off. And I think the key to that is you have to surround yourself, um, with people that build those characters in you. And I think that's why we've hit it off. You've been a, a wonderful support, both personally and, and physically. And you, you have to, you know, iron sharpens iron. So you have to, uh, be around people that, uh, sometimes, and you know, you've had to tell me things that I don't want to hear, um, <laughs> out, out of love, they're honest with you. And they sometimes tell you things you don't want to hear, but they keep you on the straight and narrow. So um, those to me are the, the, the key things, the way I was raised and then continuing to be around people that uh, that help you to grow. And I do think um, that attitude helped you stay around the, the big leagues that long. Because you see so many people, uh, and I know our listeners are thinking, well, there's these people that come in, they, they hit these uh, levels of professional athleticism. They don't last for long because lifestyle seems to just get the best of them. They start making bad decisions. Did you, did you think like that? Like you're just saying – while you're in the big leagues, I got to hang out with the right people and I got to maintain a, a balance and a good circle. You, was that going through your mind during those times? Yeah, I've, I've looked back not only on, you know, how I made it through high school as not a very quote unquote good player. Um, you think about my career, I wasn't drafted. I was signed as a free agent. So I think, I don't want to call it the underdog, but I think I was always the guy that just had to work for everything, had to remain humble and just continue to work. Don't let people, uh, uh, don't believe in the things that people are saying, you know, believe in yourself. And I think throughout my whole career, it's, 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 it's been that story. Um, so again, I have to go back to the way I was raised, but you know, on the other hand, I mean, uh, we can be raised in the faith and, and, uh, and, but we can put ourselves in situations sometimes that can get us in trouble. And I think for whatever reason, I think, you know, I, I think I call it a mindset. I, as I look back on my career, I think I just had a mindset of, what I wanted to be, who I wanted to be, and what I wanted to accomplish. And, you know, it wasn't that, you know, hanging out with players at the bars or going out late at night and things like that. It wasn't that they were, that you know, necessarily were bad people. It's just I chose to go back to the hotel room. Maybe it was the fact that I married early, so I know I had to get back and call Kelly. We had uh, our first child, Josh, when I was in A-ball, you know, just one year into pro baseball. So obviously I had some responsibilities and a wife and a family at home that once the game was over, I needed to go home and check in on them. So I just, I just mindfully, you know, continued to do things that, uh, that I knew were good for me. And I just didn't put myself in rough situations. Hey Jack, you and I got acquainted obviously in the, in the arena of health and then we became friends and, and certainly um, we've had many, many heartfelt conversations. We've probably known each other close to 20 years now. That's like a long time. It's crazy. And uh, I was thinking back on that. That's like, unique. I remember walking in Japan with you where people were walking around and, and, and this is funny. So those of you that are listening in Japan, maybe don't take this from us. Oh, Jock Hall. You know, it's like, and I remember I'd go, oh, Jock Hall, you know, and it was cracking me up the whole time, but you were gracious and kind to everybody. Now, I think, didn't you win the uh, an MVP or home run title over there one year? 
Yeah, my, my first year, uh, my first year in the second half, I had a big second half and I almost won the triple crown. And they uh, they honored me with the uh, the MVP, which not Marin guiding player is means an American player. There's only two or three of us on each team, so uh, we're definitely the minority. And and you know, rightly so. You would think that if uh, they were going to pick an MVP, it would probably be a Japan player. But um, I think I had had such a big season and 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 helped the Swallows get into the World Series that year, although we lost in the seventh game. But I think because of that. Um, they humbly, um, you know, uh, gave me the award. So, um, yeah, it was, it was, that first year was, was pretty exciting. And that was a neat experience for me, especially being away from home. Um, having, you know, at that time had two kids and then that halfway point at that season, the twin girls were born. So there was a lot of outside pressure on me, man, with family being home, Kelly home, having the twins. And there was a lot going on. So that was a, that was a, a neat reward. Um, for a pretty tough season that I had to fight through. In fact, you know, all this time, you know, you and I have talked fitness and wellness and health and not just physical health. We've talked emotional health, spiritual health. We've talked financial health. And we've talked, of course, this physical health. How important was your physical fitness level for you and just the health aspect um, in relation to your ability to stay, um, to stay in the big leagues that long and relatively injury-free? Yeah, I give weight training the reason why I got to the big leagues. Uh, I mentioned earlier um, that I wasn't a big star out of high school. I actually redshirted my first year and walked on here at the local junior college. And in that season, that off season where I didn't play right out of high school, I had a year to really mature. I believe my license my senior year was 5'4", 135 or 140 pounds. And then, yeah, it was a real little guy. Um, and I... Um, during that red shirt period, I just went to the Pima gym, uh, gym there and worked out and lifted like crazy. And I remember walking in, I tell the story all the time to the coaches. One of the coaches, a very famous coach, uh, ended up was the assistant GM for the Mar Marlins for a long time. But we tell the story all the time that I walk in after, you know, a year and some change removed from maybe them seeing me in high school. And I walk in and ask if I could try out. And they said, sure. Um, you know, what's your name? And I said, Jack Howell. And I can't use the word on, on this podcast, but he said, you know, that little, you know, what from Palbury high school. And I said, yeah. And at that time I had grown to six foot and I was about 195 pounds. Wow. So, in one year. <laughs> yeah. So there was, there was also obviously a late bloomer, but through that to answer your question was, is that I was somewhere smart enough to know that I better lift and get stronger. And so I give that, that weight training a lot of credit. And then, you know, we talked earlier about those ups and downs of a season and me always trying to have to prove that I belonged in the big leagues. And, and so I would stay late hours and lift and work out. I was very fortunate to, if anyone wants to YouTube this, they can also look up Brian Downing, who was a star baseball player. Yeah. Um, but he was strong as could be, man. And I befriended him. He was my lifting partner many a time on the road in whatever city we were in, uh, he would always look up and find the nearest Gold's gym or a Y and at nine o'clock in the morning while probably everyone else was sleeping in until noon. Um, we were at the Y lifting, which in those days, you know, you think about the 80s, you know, especially the late 80s, uh, first part of the 90s, uh, heavy weight training was not a big deal for, you know, wasn't a good thing for us big league players to be doing. They were afraid of injuries and stuff. So we were kind of doing that, you know, on our own time. And and then, of course, now weight training is, is huge in, in pro baseball. But 
Um, so yeah, I definitely give weight training, but you know, really as all my life I've done it, but, and again, you know, I, I have to say that, you know, our contact that we had about four or five years ago, uh, where I just said, look, I'm, I'm lifting, but I'm getting heavy. I, you know, I, some of the personal things that were going on from a mindset of mine just wasn't working. And until you, you know, did all the DNA testing on me and then really got me in, in better health, um, not necessarily shape, definitely, but, but definitely that health aspect um, has really, really helped me now, um, you know, as I get older and and I guess what I'm trying to lead to is I wish that all the years that I was doing the lifting that I was also understanding nutrition and really some of the supplemental things that we can do to really uh, take care of ourselves, which is not only, you know, the body, but then what it does for the mind and the spirit and everything else. So learned it a little bit late, but I know you've added years to my life and I'm thankful for it. Well, that's very kind of you. And I, I do consider it a pleasure, and honor, first of all, to, to be your friend. And then second, to be able to offer what I can do in life to help you. And I think uh, you, you had told me recently, I mean, you've been in player development and management of, of younger ball players in, in organizations. And I, I think you had, had had some comments made about you and the way you looked uh, recently uh, during some training. How, how did that go? And can you explain what that was? Well, that was, yeah, I mean, I think the thing was is that I showed up and so you know, I've always been a weight tra- weightlifter and they've known me as that. So I've always been big size, but always, you know, just carried a little bit, a little bit too much weight. And so um, it was actually, you know, last year around October, I think when you really got me right and really got me on the right track and I really started watching what I was eating and, and then with supplements and things, it's been incredible. And so I show up, that started in about October. And then, so I show up in March, what was that, about March 10th, I believe, I show up for our minor league spring training, and it was, you know, I didn't think much of it, I definitely felt better, I knew I looked a little bit better, but it was, it was amazing, all the other coaches, tons of players that I'd had in the last few years, I mean, they just said, Jack, what have you been doing, man, you look outstanding, you look in such good shape. You look 20 years younger. I mean, all the staff, front office and players, it was crazy because, you know, I guess you probably know, or most people know, you know, when you're looking at yourself every day, you, you know, you see the little changes, but not as much, but then these people hadn't seen me in six, seven months and um, they were really impressed. So that was the, that was really a huge kicker. Cause again, it's not about how you look. They weren't necessarily, you know, talking about how I looked. It was the fact that they mentioned that I just look so much younger and so much, you know, thinner in the face and, and things like that. So you can look at it like a compliment or you can say, man, what did you really think of me before, man? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to look at it. Now, um, you know, you and Brian Downing back in the day, as you were talking, were you guys kind of trailblazers in the area of, of weight training and baseball? Because I remember that very well. You know, they talked was you're going to get stiff. You're not going to be able to, to throw the ball anymore. You're not going to be able to hit. You're not going to run. And, and, of course, things have changed now. Were you guys kind of on the leading end of that? Yeah, I, I got to give the credit to Brian Downing. Um, just because it was very obvious he was a big power lifter and, and, you know, and, and, and he was the star. So a lot of eyes were on him as to, you know, should they be doing that? And, and finally, when they believed that he was so good at it and, and that he had taken on myself and a couple other young players that were coming up, um, I think they realized, look, this isn't going away. And they're following this, this veteran guy, which is why we keep veteran guys around for their leadership qualities. And I think they realized the angels I'm talking about now 
um, that it was, you know, we're not going to beat them, so we might as well try to find a way to join them. So they they loosened up on that. They asked us if we would now start sharing with them the things we were doing just so they could monitor it. And then the reason why I say I give him the credit is, is because in the old Angel Stadium, and I'm talking about it, it's still at the same spot, but as you know, a few years back, they did major construction. In the old stadium, uh, coming right out of the, out of the uh, training room, uh, you would come out of the training room, make a right and go to the elevators to go up um, to go to your car, or go to where the family section was. But if you walk straight, there was these two big double doors and there was a, a fairly big sized room in there. Um, but Brian had asked uh, Mr. Autry, the, uh, the Autry family, if they would come down one time and, and get the city, it was owned by the city. So get the city to open up that door. And what it was, was since the city owned the stadium, it was a huge storage warehouse for all the city um, Oh my gosh, what am I thinking of? The things that are rolled up, the plans, yeah. all the plans of anything that went on in the city. When they built something, they wanted to hold on to those big tubes and rolls of, of plans. And there was just thousands and thousands of those just stored in there. So he asked them, he said, man, this would be perfect if we could somehow, if you could talk the city into moving that. And he said, if you'll get the city to move that and get us a key to this, he said, I will pay for all the equipment and I'll bring in equipment and so that we can have a weight room. So uh, they did that, and it was that that room that had most of his weights. I believe I bought a few little deals and put them in there, but for the most part, um, he kind of started that. And I think at the time, also, Oakland um, had a little kind of gym like that off to the side. I remember when we would go to Oakland, they had a little gym. Of course, you had, in those days, Mark McGuire and some of those yeah. Yeah. Home, some of those guys, so you knew that they were pushing it, too. So I'm sure there was more, but I would I would definitely say, I'll guarantee you, Brian Downing is a – is a big part of that. Well, obviously it, it helped because I think we all remember back in those days as he was the star and was just good at everything. And I think people were starting to see his power just increase during his career. Now, as your career has progressed, you're still very much involved in the game as we've talked many times. You deal with young players all the time. What do you tell them regarding this subject matter, like fitness and not just lifting, but even even now, nutrition and supplementation? What's that conversation like? Well, luckily now, much different than obviously when I played, but luckily now we have uh, more staff. So we do have a strength coach, certified strength coach um, that travels with us and is with our players all the time. So I kind of leave that up to them and what the organization allows them and expects of them to do in that regard. Um, he's also in charge of a little bit of their nutrition. And then we do have a nutritionist that travels around. She's not there all the time, but she'll sneak in and check in on guys. Um, they do have to kind of record the things they're doing and we do kind of track that. Um, where I kind of play the part in that, which is again, uh, not continuing to talk about what you've done for me, but I think it's been important that you lead by example too. Um, and so, you know, I don't think you want to, you know, a manager that's, you know, hundred pounds overweight walking around eating, you know, fried food and a bunch of snacks and stuff and drinking beers in the clubhouse, uh, telling players they need to watch what they're eating. It's probably yeah, not right. a good sell. So um, I've tried to also in where I play the part in it is, is lead by example. And then of course where I can, help too is that being the manager and I'm the one overseeing the club throughout the six months um, it's the uh, strength uh, coach's job to come to me and mention to me that somebody missed a lift or 
um, somebody's goofing off in the in the, when we're having weight sessions. Um, somebody's bringing some different types of food into the clubhouse. Then it would be my job then to just let them know that that's that's not allowed. You know that I can't be really in charge of what you're doing away from here. That's going to have to be your choice. But when you're around here, you know we don't eat like that. We don't act like that. And that you know part of being an angel is is that you have to participate in our strength program and and give it your best effort. So I guess I'd be more of a disciplinarian than really overseeing their strength and conditioning and their nutrition. Well, it's pretty interesting though. You you sort of are one that that looks out for them as a manager, mentor, role model, teacher along those lines. I think you mentioned something very key that I hope people catch. If you want to be a leader, a mentor, a teacher, you need to live it out. That's important, right? Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, I, I think because of my long career, um, you know, I, I, I think back of those mentors and those ones that meant the most to me. And I don't think it, it was as necessarily as much as what they were saying as that they, they live that life. You know what I mean? Those were the ones that really meant a lot to me. Um, and again, you know, not that you have to have played the game to be a big, big hitting coach or, or like that, but, you know, most of the guys that, you know, Joe Madden is one, he never played in the big leagues and he's gone on to be a very successful manager. He was my rookie manager and, and he just, you know, he had a wonderful mindset. He, he really got to know his players. He really got to know, and I knew that he truly cared for me. Um, but then more, more like what you and I were talking about earlier about what you've meant to me is that uh, he was also not afraid to tell me what I needed to hear sometimes, uh, even though that was a tough message sometimes. So, um, you know, I think that's that definitely is the key to at least be, I guess we're calling practice what you preach a little bit. Obviously, I can't go out and hit now for him, but um, at least I can let him know the things that I did and and the things the organization expects and, and then just try to convince them to do that. I think you talked a little bit about player development. I think it leads into this a little bit is that the other way that, you know, I focus a lot on leading is, you know, guys get so, so much caught up in the results. And I think you probably from your functional medical um, talks and stuff too know that it's more about the process and not the result right away. You tell me that we don't have to stare at the, at the uh, weight scale all the time, that if we continue to, you know, make good choices in our food and at least show up to the gym, at least show up, you know, that the results will be there. And it's kind of the same thing with players. Um, don't worry so much about your results right now. Think more of the process of how we're going to get there. And if the process is right, the, res the results will show. It's very interesting because along the lines of, of, of baseball, I think our, our listeners would get that if you're a, a great hitter, you're going to fail 70% of the time, so to speak. Okay. You know, it's interesting. And it's, it's not really about focusing on those failures it's about focusing on a consistent step-by-step -step process that that generates per capita long-term and continued results is that what you're trying to say and kind of encapsulated there definitely I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the book now I also read the book oh the compound effect um, that was a wonderful book that I read um, you know, I, I can't go into great detail on it because I forgot a lot of it. But the big thing was I'm a big Starbucks guy, you know, and it talks about there's nothing wrong with the three dollar and fifty dollar three dollar and fifty cent coffee. It's that then they did the numbers and they ran that three fifty coffee over 20 years. And it's a lot of money, you know, it's, money. The, compound, it's the compounding effect of that. <laughs> so you're right. That can work in a negative way in that regard about spending too much on Starbucks. But then on the other hand, I believe what you're talking about when we talk about processes is. is 
is, um, you know, the, it's the day-to-day, just making a good choice, making the best choices you can, and over 10 or 15 years, the results will be there. Talk to a lot of, of uh, people that follow us, of course, from different walks of life, uh, some young athletes all the way to physicians to just the lay public and journalists wanting to know more about health. But for those people out there that are listening right now that maybe um, have younger athletes or younger baseball players, whatever, baseball, football, basketball, whatever the case may be, what advice would you give them? What would you tell them that that are some keys to uh, just giving themselves the best opportunity to be the best they can be? Yeah, I, I think if, if we're talking about, you know, being a mentor or leader, I mean, I think nowadays you have to really understand the kids that we're dealing with and, and it's not the same as us, you know, the old coaching of just do it because I said or, you know, do it the way I did it type of thing or just do it because I said, um, you know, with these these kids nowadays and for a lot of years now I've noticed in player development it doesn't work. I think the first thing is, is they have to, you have to gain some trust in them, you know, so you have to befriend them. I think you really have to get to know them. Um, I've, I've preached in the past as a, when I was a field coordinator and I had to train um, coaches and coordinators. You know, I talk about learn the learner. Um, and so it's very important that, that we learn and understand about them. I think the other important thing is, is not to put everyone in, in buck. I talk about putting them in different buckets because let's face it, all our talents and our abilities and our size and everything is all different. So I think it's very important that as we're um, leading uh, these young, young men, uh, that we put them in different buckets. It's not fair to compare one guy to our number one pick who's super athletic and, you know, can can jump jump over the roof and can run like a deer, um, you know, and, and has incredible strength. Uh, we have to put guys in each bucket. And then what you try to do is tell them to be the best in that bucket. And if they can come up out of that bucket, then they can slowly move as they progress. So I think it's just really uh, learning the learner, understanding them, not realizing that realizing that also everyone learns differently. Uh, the big thing that I've had to learn now is, you know, we talk about these kids now, their heads are always down and on a, on a phone somewhere. And I remember early on in my player development about five, six years ago, I'd bring them in my office and try to get them to look me straight in the eye and have this long talk with them. And it was, a, it was an older, uh, uh, long-time coach uh, friend of mine that told me, he said, Jack, you got to learn these kids, man. And he says, the, the, the face-to-face speech doesn't work that much anymore. He says, you'd be surprised, just text them. You know, send them a nice little text, send them a little email. And it's amazing how all of a sudden they're just texting back like crazy. And now they're really opening up to me, you know, Um, they can just uh, they just communicate differently, you know. So we have to find the ways to get that communication out of them. What's the best way to give them that information? Um, I think, again, I'm not a a pro when it comes to kind of the teaching mechanics and things now, but obviously, you know, there's visual learners, there's audible learners, um, you know, but the key is, is just, you know, what works for them and then, and then use it. But most of, most importantly, I think I talked about, you got to get them to trust you and they have to know that you really, really care about them. Jack, there's a lot of us out here on the other end of the spectrum that are, uh, let's call us older athletes or aging athletes or even aged athletes. What would you tell that group, in other words, in regard to this stuff about um, staying physically fit and eating right and all that? How important is that for, for you know, all of us that are aging? Uh, the thing that really worked for me 
um, you know, again, being this guy that would lift, but I would go through these phases, you know, and then I was always on YouTube and whatever, trying to find the over 50 workout or the workout for 55 and over. And you got to do this and you got to do that. And boy, I'll tell you, after delving through that, um, realizing that, yes, that the, the lifting and the working out was pretty important. Um, but that it's, it's individualized. The same thing, like I was saying earlier, you know, what works for some guy on YouTube at 50 might not work for me. So you got to really get to know yourself and know what works for you. I think to add to that, what I want to say is, is that what's really helped me since October is when you really pounded me hard about my food choices. Um, and that it just, you know, again, it's, I've got to the point now where I don't, I don't, I don't miss meals. I enjoy my meals. Um, but it's the right type of meals. And I don't even think about sugar now anymore. Um, and, and, and so I think definitely you can work out like crazy, but man, if you're not supplementing and if you're not, um, you know, making those incredible healthy choices, um, that, that, you know, I know you guys talk about a lot and staying away from some of that stuff that just destroys you to me, you know, we used to tease you're playing for the tie. I don't even think at our age, we're playing for the tie anymore. I think if you're, not getting in the gym and working out daily, even if you walk in and just, I mean, there's sometimes I come in for 20 minutes and I go, you know what, that's all I got today, but I showed up. And then ultimately on the days I'm really lifting heavy, boy, I got to where if I was not making good choices or I'd say, you know what, it's okay. I'm going to go out and have a nice meal tonight and, and, and really mess that up. It's amazing how you're not playing for the tie. You're actually going into a deficit. And so I'm still, I still got a ways to go, but I'll tell you since October, I think I called you about two weeks ago, man, and I was in a little bit of a lull, man, and I was ready to really start wondering, and I think you just encouraged me to stay the course, man, and and I think I texted you yesterday, said, man, I'm back on fire again, yeah. so, um, you know, just like our players, uh, we're going to have those 0 for 4s and those 1 for 10s, you know, but man, we got to stay the course and keep plugging because there's, there's a 10 for 10 right around the corner, man. Boy, that's a, that's a life lesson right there. That is like great, great encouragement and advice for everybody. No matter what you're going through in life, there's a 10 for 10 around the corner. That's just how people really can even consider tweeting that out there, putting it out there on Instagram, because that's a beautiful quote. Hey, Jack, you're, you're a busy guy. You know, I know that uh, at the time of this recording, we're in the middle of this weird time uh, called pandemic and all of that. We've had to all adjust. But you're, you're busy doing a lot of stuff. You know, what, what are you working on right now? And, and one question, number two is how do people get a hold of you and follow what you're doing? Well, I appreciate that question because I think, you know, we're all, you know, we can find the negatives and just turn on the TV. We can find the negatives in this COVID uh, quarantine time that we're in. But um, and I know we all went through the little lulls of it. But I'll tell you what, this is turning out to be uh, kind of a blessing for me in that, like I said, it's really allowed me to focus on on my health, you know, for six months. Again, I, I'd much rather be with my team right now in the Midwest League traveling on those 20, 12 to 20 hour bus rides, you know, but unfortunately through that, uh, we're forced to kind of have some bad food. You know, we don't have, we have ballpark food around a lot. So it's harder to make those, those choices. So it's really helped me um, make good choices on, on health. It has given me more time to uh, focus on my training, which has been good. So that's the positive of it. Um, the other thing too is, is that, so I'm furloughed by the angels, which means I still get healthcare um, and I'm still an employee, but with no minor league baseball, I'm not getting a paycheck. And, you know, I, um, I, I can't really go out and get another job or whatever. So 
it really was cool and that you inspired me so much and I was feeling so good that we moved back to Tucson right after spring training got shut down because my mom's 90 and I was afraid of her um, not taking care of herself during COVID. So Kelly and I were in, in Kansas, Wichita, Kansas, and um, um, with our grandkids and we decided to come back out to Tucson and we rented a home here and to be around my mom. But what's come from that is I reunited with a friend that we've been friends for 35 years uh, when I played in Anaheim. Um, and he lives literally six blocks from me. He's got a beautiful home, 7,000 square foot home. He's been very successful in his life. And he's got this beautiful indoor gym, man. And so I, I told him I was in town. He said, come on over, man. We sat around and talked about old times or whatever. He showed me the remodels he's done on the house and what he's done to the weight room. And this sounds like something I learned from Mark, but I said, the gym looks good. Uh, when was the last time you were in it? He said, well, that's another story. I hadn't been in there in probably four or five years. <laughs> no way. Four or five years. And so again, I, I, you know, you know, I have a hard time talking about myself, but he said, uh, you look like you've kept in shape. And I said, well, I'm getting there, man. And he said, well, what are you doing on Tuesday? Well, I I don't know, probably taking my mom somewhere. Kelly and I are probably going somewhere. I said, I'm probably going to work out or do something. And he goes, okay, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, you're going to come here at seven in the morning from seven to eight. You're going to train my wife. And from eight to nine, you're going to train me. And I said, okay. And, um, and uh, we've been on that. We're on our 25th workout. So what are we? Four, three, six, nine, twelve. So we're two months in. Uh, he's lost eight or nine pounds. She's lost six or seven pounds. They haven't missed a beat. I'm doing some high intensity training with them and getting them. I'm teaching them all the things you taught me about, you know, better eating. Matter of fact, Kelly and I made uh, bell peppers with stuffed, the stuffed beef, the uh, no grass, uh, no finished uh, meat and brought it over to him the other night for dinner with some watermelon and a nice salad. And um, it has been, I guess what I'm really getting at is it's amazing how now I've loved training all my life and never thought of being a trainer, but now I'm being able to train friends and see the success they're having and the goals that they're trying to reach. And it really made me think of you and, and the things you're doing and man, what a wonderful enjoyment you must get out of helping people, man. What a, I never ever had really, you know, I've helped a lot of players probably, but, you know, I don't ever see really the fruits of that because they go on to the big leagues or maybe they go on to another career and you don't know what impact you had on them. But this has been a great experience seeing them just, I mean, the, they're, they're also doing some construction on um, on the east side of the house, uh, changing some rooms around. And uh, he does a lot of the construction himself. And it was just about two weeks ago when he says, seven in the morning, man, he goes, dude, I got to tell you, I'm getting up and down that ladder painting like I've never got up and down a ladder before. <laughs> it used to be a struggle, you know, so um, you just see those neat little accomplishments and man, it makes you feel good. And uh, so going back to the COVID, I know that was a long answer, but, um, you know, I'm just really trying to find the positive things that's allowed me to uh, kind of get away from the game a little bit and really focus on myself and then focus on other people. Certainly, um, you know, one thing we talk about all the time, you and I have talked about, is this uh, concept of being uh, giving people hope. And then once you give them hope, they become a hope dealer. And certainly you, you've done that. And I think people really appreciate the advice you've given them today that you're going to have those over four days. You're going to have those one for 10, uh, two or three days in a row. But your 10 for 10 is right around the corner. Man, that's just that just gives me chills to think about that. Very, very good. 
Um, you got a, a, a good media following. How do people get a hold of you or follow you, Jack? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I'd really like them to, um, if they would, go to my website, which is www.jrhowell.me. That's www.jrhowell.me. Um, on my website, I have some videos and stuff. You'll see the Broken Bat Home Run, the Kerry Wood game that I was in. That's pretty cool stuff. And then there's just some neat little things that you can go on there. Obviously, there's a little thing you can click on, which will take you to Functional Medical Institute. Um, that's on there as well. Um, and then I have a Control the Zone series on there, which if they click on that, and I've got to say I'm sorry, I haven't added as many videos in the last six or eight months, but there's some pretty cool 30-minute little videos where it just kind of a lot of the things we're talking about, but I try to add in a little bit of my faith and just I think it would be for athletes. It could be for anyone that's trying to, you know, have a better relationship with the you know, whatever they're dealing with. So there's some cool videos there. Um, they can send me an email at uh, um, jrhowljr at gmail. Go ahead and send me an email there. And then if they want, um, if they're interested, um, they can go to blog talk radio forward slash Mancini sports. And I will tell you that every Wednesday from four to four 30, Arizona time, which I believe that's mountain time, um, from 4 to 4.30, um, I do a little 30-minute podcast called Control the Zone. Um, and it's just uh, the, the aim is to, to help people either gain some more control of or find some control of what area in life that uh, might seem out of control. And that would obviously pertain to who my guest is. We try to pull insights out of there. I say that sometimes it's just one new insight which might completely change the way you view the world and your place in it. So we try to pull some insights um, out of my guests to help them uh, hopefully find some control. Great example would be uh, my son was on there and he uh, works for Nerd Power here in Tucson, solar, solar panels. And that would be in controlling your finances and controlling your electrical bill, things like that. Um, I, another buddy of mine was on there um, who's a senior loan officer. And now, you know, the, the rates are at historic low rates. So, you know, maybe in uh, lowering your, uh, uh, your mortgage, um, just things like that. And he had some wonderful insights on things to do if you are interested in refinancing or getting a loan. So um, hopefully that control the zone has been kind of a word I've used over the years. And uh, we don't have a lot of control over a lot of things, but if we can gain a little bit of control or just get one insight that can change the way we view the world and our place in it, then, you know, I feel like I've been a help. So, Well said, and I want people to know that we're going to put all of those links right below in the feed to make sure you connect with, with Jack. You've been very gracious, very kind, very hospitable to um, – you know, join us. And I, I appreciate your friendship. Most of all, that's the greatest thing I could get. That's the treasure. So uh, any last closing words of encouragement you want to say to our folks? Uh, I would just say that uh, if, uh, and this is a tough thing to say, but if, if, if you've ever, ever been struggling in your life with uh, not only physically, but mentally, I, I want to encourage you to reach out to Mark at functional medical Institute uh, um, they come at it from a, an angle that I don't think we ever come at, and that is is they, they first want to deal with you as a person, like I mentioned earlier. They'll get to know you and befriend you, 
and then they will definitely guide you on the right course to help you enjoy your life and have a better life. And I just want to encourage you that you've got to reach out to Functional Medical Institute if, if you can and as soon as you can. It'll change your life. Wow. And, and you know, we didn't even talk about that. And that's interesting. I, you know, we didn't plan that. So thank you for that. And folks, thank you for listening to what a what a great episode with a friend of mine, Jack Hallen. He shared some uh, some nuggets, control the zone, your 10 for 10 day is coming. And I think that's amazing. And one thing I always want to appreciate you do when you watch these episodes, always subscribe right below to find out what's coming next. You know, because I want you to know what's coming next, who's coming up next. And, and don't let the hidden things, uh, perhaps those things outside the zone in this case, bog you down and steal your best health. We'll look forward to seeing you next time on Healthcare's Missing Link.